Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Galatians chapter 3. We kicked off last week with our new uh, series here beginning off, uh, but really it's going to fill the entire year. We are talking about the reigning spirit, the reigning spirit. Spirit. We are talking about being spirit beings in a physical world, in a natural world, but you are first a spirit being, and we need to know how the spirit realm operates. We need to know how the spirit world operates. And I was thinking about this, you know, as we've been preparing for this, and even just this past week, I was thinking, you know, when it comes to the things of the spirit, Um, we have seen a great decrease on these matters in the church. I've noticed a great increase in the church when it comes to matters of the mind, mental health, um, anxiety, depression. Um, One thing that I have seen talked about a lot, and again, I'm not saying these things are poor or negative or shouldn't be talked about in any way, shape, or form, but not at the expense and the elimination of the spirit. But we've, I've seen a lot of, uh, I, I went through one church's posts um, on Instagram, and it just seemed like there was just this overwhelming emphasis on feeling. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling weary, and got great scripture if you're feeling that way, and that's, that, that, that's great that you're backing it with the word, but it's just a hyper emphasis and value on the feelings system of life. And the, 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 the issue is, is if we don't address the spiritual matters, we're going to keep trying to change out fruit on trees that are rooted in the wrong things and are going to continue to bear poor fruit every time. You're just going to keep working with symptoms and not ever really address the real heart of the issue, the real matters at hand. And when it comes to the things of the spirit, not only has the church, uh, you know, not been so vocal or upfront about it, but we have shied away from it. And even to a degree, in the worst of the worst cases, talked against it, the things of the Spirit, the matters of the Spirit. To the point now, whereas, you know, if, if we mention things that were regular activity in the Bible, like angels in the angelic realm. Could we, could we be a little more knowledgeable on angels and the operation of angels? Amen. Uh, what about the demonic realm and demons, demonic activity? You know how many Christians, the moment they hear the word demon, they're running away and shuddering in fear. The Bible is very clear. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And somebody told me early on, before we even got into ministry, they said, any area that you do not uh, touch on, teach on, preach on, minister on in your church is an area where you can expect your people to fail. If I don't want to talk about money because it's 
touchy subject and I don't want to offend you or look like someone that's going after your money, then guess where you're going to be failing in life? Your finances. If I don't want to touch on parenting and marriage because I don't want to tell you how to run your home or I don't want to tell you what, what works or what doesn't, then guess where I can expect you to fail? In your homes and in your family. And we're seeing the decrease in these things because there are select uh, uh, subjects, a little disco, a little bit of our 70s party still up in this room, apparently. <laughs> um, but any of those areas that we don't want to approach, and this is what the enemy will do, and this is what we're looking at, is the, the two ways that the enemy will operate in your lives is, one, obviously he tries to get you to run into sin, temptation, to disobedience, to just blatant disobedience. And you know what? I don't have a problem with that individual because typically that individual knows I'm not in alignment. I'm wrong. I need to repent. And they're aware. The second case is way more dangerous and it's called deception. So if he can't get you into sin and temptation, then he will have you running after things of the spirit, but in an alternate route, accepting a false uh, replacement, a false substitute. Amen. And so now I think I'm doing the things of the Lord, pursuing the things of God when I'm not at all. And I've actually set myself up as the greatest hindrance because the sinner will run and fall on his knees and say, I need a savior. The deceived one says, I got what I need. Leave me alone. There's a difference. There's a problem. And when it comes to the things of the spirit, the enemy is having a field day. Because guess where he's operating? In the spirit. And he's talking you out of it. And he's making you think it's hokey and weird. And he's making you fearful of it. And he's making you think it doesn't apply. Because he wants to run his course in that arena, in the spirit realm. He wants to own it without you. Because this is the thing, and he knows this. If you ever discover the spirit realm, the things of the spirit, the way of the spirit, the life of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, the power of the spirit, he doesn't stand a chance. So the things that you don't know are killing you, are destroying you, the Bible says. They are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so we need to bring some knowledge to this arena when it comes to the spirit realm. So I'm gonna be touching uh, on you know, some of these subjects this year. And we're gonna bring clarity by the word of God, who the Holy Spirit is, how to live the Holy Spirit life, the Holy Spirit filled life, gifts of the spirit. We're gonna talk about angels in the angelic realm. We're gonna talk about demons in the demonic realm. We're gonna talk about familiar spirits, deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons, the seducing. And we're going to touch into some of that today. Just I'm still introductory. Uh, This is kind of part two from last week. Um, But we're going to really break these things down. How do we live free of deception? If deception is so tricky and so seductive and so luring, how do I know if I'm deceived or not? How can I guard against that? How can I live avoiding that? How can I keep There's plenty of warning for the church and the body of Christ in the last days. And and he says, in the last days, we'll see it, many fall away. Just say it with me. Say, I will not 
be in the many. I will be in the few, the minority. See, it's okay to be one in a hundred. You know, the, 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 the world values numbers. The world thinks that the more you get, the more credence you have and the more foundation you have. And, and man, now that stuff's gonna crumble. It's gonna get burned up. Man, when the fire shows up, I want it to refine and purify. I don't want it to burn up my, my stuff. I want it to strengthen and fortify those things in my life. But you know what? I've gotta allow it to burn off the things that need to be burned off and then strengthen and, and, you know, if you got the right metal and you got the right consistency, it'll actually fortify when that fire comes. And the fire's coming. The testing's coming. And whether it gets burned up or whether it gets strengthened, that's up to what we believe in and rely on. In Galatians chapter three, Paul is, doesn't sound very encouraging, but he's encouraging the Galatian church. In verse one, he says, you foolish Galatians. You know, when we think foolish, we think dumb, we think ignorant. I read a thing just the other day that said, uh, an a, a easy way to tell somebody they're dumb. Wisdom is trying to chase you down. You're just much faster. <laughs> That was a good way to put it. Soften the blow. Now he says, you foolish Galatians. And we saw last week this word foolish means what? It means lacking spiritual sense. We're not talking about mental, intellectual, educational ability. We're not talking about crunching the numbers. We're not talking about knowing all the history. We're not talking about all the things that your mind can consume and absorb and retain and you know even regurgitate. He's talking about a spiritual capacity of foolishness. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He said, you've gotten to a place where you're denying even things that you saw with your own eyes. We can get to a place with, 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 in lacking such spiritual sense that we will deny even the wondrous things that we see with our own eyes. The Pharisees did this. The most knowledgeable, intellectual bunch there was. And they watched miracle after miracle. They couldn't deny that the hand that was withered was straightened back out. They couldn't deny that Lazarus, who was once dead for four days, was alive again. They couldn't deny that the lame man at the gate called beautiful, that they had seen and walked past daily, was up running around, leaping and praising God. They couldn't deny the miracle, but they still wanted to shut them up because they thought that they were against what they were for. They couldn't gather what was really happening, this foolishness. He says in verse two, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit? And look at the capital S. We distinguish because there is the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and there are other spirits. I said that there are other spirits. But he says here, did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law 
or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? In 1 Timothy chapter 4, kind of just giving a brief recap, and then we want to finish off where we started last week. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Notice that there is spiritual activity that we are to be engaged with, that we're supposed to uh, dive into, that we're supposed to be uh, discovering. That's the great thing. I think I said it last week. When you come into the kingdom of God, man, you are on a journey, a discovery of the unseen, the things that you can't see, the things that aren't tangible, the things, but, but, but the, the, the thing is, is everything you can see came from something that you can't see. And if you're going to place value on the natural, if you're going to place value on the tangible, you have to understand that what you are seeing take place here has come from a different realm, good or bad. And I said it last week, what the enemy wants is he wants you to fight spiritual battles with natural resources. He wants you to exhaust all your effort and all your energy trying to overcome a spiritual rule or a spirit realm in the natural. You know how exhausting that is? Some of you are in this room today just exhausted because the enemy has zapped you of all your strength, all your ability, all your effort, even all all the mental capacity you have to throw at something because he's attacking you spiritually and you're fighting him off naturally. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty in Christ, mighty in God to tear down those strongholds. There are strongholds in families, strongholds in life, uh, strongholds in your bodies, strongholds in your finances, strongholds in communities that are not gonna get torn down by another march, by another speech. We celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King this weekend, tomorrow, and, and, and he knew we are not gonna solve this problem with the natural abilities. We have to get people in tune to the spirit of God, the word, the principles, the biblical understanding of some things. Because racism itself, the, the hatred for others, whatever that looks like, whatever uh, uh, distinctions and barriers that we create in life, they are not a natural problem. They are a heart problem. They're a sin problem. They're a man not yielded to the spirit of God problem. That's how we solve these things. And he died for that, trying to get people to understand that everything we see in the natural is connected to something in the spiritual. And wouldn't it just be the the attack and the effort of the enemy to get you to think it's just natural? He says, you're foolish. You began in the spirit. Now you're trying to finish in the flesh. flesh." 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, now the spirit, capital S, expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. Here it is, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Notice we got spirits in there twice. One has a capital S and the other has a small S. 
speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. In the Amplified, in the Amplified, it reads uh, this way. But the Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in latter times, some will turn away from the faith, giving attention to. Everyone say, giving attention to. Deluding and seducing spirits and doctrines that demons teach through the hypocrisy and pretensions of liars whose consciences are seared and cauterized. The Passion Translation reads, the Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed at the end of this age, many will depart from the true faith one after another. This one uses the words devoting themselves. Everyone say devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelations and theories. Hypocritical liars will deceive many and their consciences won't bother them at all. In the last days, we are going to have a deception issue. It, it, it may be comfortable to say deception will be the greatest challenge in the last days. I'll remind you again, we've said it many times, I think we covered it last week, you do not have a devil problem. You do not have a Satan problem. Satan is no match for a man or woman of God yielded to the Holy Spirit, representing the Father and representing the kingdom. It's no match. We've covered this. The devil is not our problem. We have a flesh-ruled man problem. We have a rebellious man problem. We have an unyielded man problem. And in all three of these passages in the translations that I read you, one says giving heed to deceiving spirits. The other says giving attention to deluding and seducing spirits. And the last one we read, we read was devoting themselves to spirits of deception. Notice in every case, it was not this spirit coming and overriding and controlling them. In, in not one of these cases, is it the devil just overpowering? It's somebody giving allegiance to something other than the kingdom of God. It's an individual that either doesn't remain guarded in the things of the spirit, or it's someone that doesn't know how to enact the things of the spirit. The life of the spirit acts for us in two ways as a shield and as a sword. The life of the Spirit acts for us in two ways. It acts as a shield to guard and protect us from things. Guard your heart and your mind. That's in the spiritual sense. Now you can do it with natural components, but ultimately, I'm guarding my heart. I'm not just putting up something around my house. I'm not going to ward off the devil by building a, 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 a concrete barrier around my home, getting a bulletproof vehicle. No, I'm guarding my heart and my mind in a spiritual sense, in a spiritual capacity, guarding my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. I'm putting up that shield that will ward off the attacks of the enemy. But it also operates in my life as a sword. 
Whereas in the offensive, I can attack and challenge the things in a spiritual sense that the enemy may try to come at me with. More of the church, we need more of the church on the offensive. Not looking for a problem necessarily, but ready to attack and not have the posture or the approach of, well, I'm just gonna stay in my little uh, 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 stained glass window church in my little four walls and mind my own business until it's time to go to heaven. But ready to take on, ready to encounter and ready to overpower and overthrow the works of the evil one, the works of the devil. That's an offensive approach, but most believers aren't in that, uh, in that position. They're defensive. They're closed off. They don't, want, they, they don't want the responsibility of pushing back darkness. They don't want the trial and tribulation that may come. They don't want the persecution that may be invited. This is why we don't speak up for certain things. It's why we try to water down and, and sugarcoat and make things as palatable as possible, as easy to swallow as possible without stepping on people's toes. We, we are always pushing that line further back of, of how much do I need to say but still go to heaven? How much do I need to do but still go to heaven? How much do I need to preach or communicate to ensure that that person gets to heaven but they're not living kingdom lives down here while they're on the earth? We've been doing this for generations and generations now where the, the church was set up by Jesus himself to push back darkness. He gave you keys to the kingdom of heaven, to access, to loose, to bind up, to set free, to deliver. Those things are opposed to the kingdom of God. He set you up as an offensive weapon in pushing back darkness and overthrowing the works of the devil. But when we back down from that posture, when we back down from that approach, when we, when we don't submit in, in that form, then what happens is, is we now have to rely on natural measures because we have no spiritual capacity to rely on. And this is what we've seen in the church. A lot of natural, a lot of natural means a lot of natural programs, a lot of natural ministries, a lot of natural look and feel. And again, I'm not saying those things are wrong. We, we do a lot of these things. But again, not at the expense of the Spirit. Because I tell you, when the Spirit starts moving, you find out nobody cares about your lights. Nobody cares about your seating capacity. Revival does not care how many parking spaces you have. They'll line up. Revival doesn't care uh, what time kids need to go to bed. Okay, come on. We want revival, but as long as you can do it between seven and nine, you know I got to get these kids in bed. They're on a routine. I got them on a new routine. And trust me, I know how important these routines are. I've got a three-year-old. And when his routine is passed, it's, it's passed. But when the Spirit's moving, the Holy Spirit can take care of all that. The Holy Spirit can take care of all that. You'll go to work, you'll stay at church till midnight and go to work the next morning more rested than you've ever gone to work. 
The Holy Spirit will do for you what you cannot do in the natural. You take all the melatonin you want, you can play all the sound machines you want, and you won't be as rested as what the Holy Spirit can do for you if we start relying on and yielding to the things of the Spirit. Amen. So we see that these individuals, and notice, notice these individuals, they depart from the faith following what? Spirits. It's improper spiritual activity, inferior spiritual activity. But yet it's luring and it's seductive, just like that fruit in Genesis chapter three. Desirable to make one wise, good for eating, right? I mean, it it wasn't a rotten piece of fruit. (laughs) It wasn't the, 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 the fruit... You know, what, what, what's the saying about apples? Every, there's a bad apple in every barrel or whatever. It wasn't the one at the rotting out at the bottom. I mean, it was desirable. It looked good. There is a, a, a wave of the Spirit, if you will. We're going to dig into this this year. There's a wave and a move of the Spirit that is desirable and luring, and it's attractive. It, the Bible says seductive. I mean, you know what seductive means? To be seduced, it's got to have some attraction. It's got to have some appeal to it. It's got to have some draw to it. That's what these people are departing from. The when, when they're talking to you, they're talking about the wow factors. They're talking about, oh, look at the big things that are happening. Oh, look at these awesome things that are happening in the spirit. Oh, I've, you know, and they just make it sound so appealing. But without the proper discernment, We can't tell, is that a capital S or a little s? Because the enemy is luring with something that looks very close Let me just put it to you this way. The devil is luring you because you look very close to the original. That's why he wants you so bad. He wants what you have because you were made in the image of God. You were made in his likeness. When he sees you, he says, man, that looks awful lot like that thing I tried to overthrow up in heaven. They sound like him. They talk like him. They move like him. They res- I want what they got. It's luring to him. It's, a, it's attractive to him. And so now he in turn tries to lure you in with something that looks like. But guys, every other tree is available. Why are we trying to pick the fruit off the one that God's told us not to eat from? What is it about the one thing you're told not to do? Parents. The one thing I tell you not to do, that's the one thing. It's almost like I don't even want to tell you not to do this or don't go there or don't think about that because guess what you're, don't think about pink elephants. All of y'all right now are picturing pink elephants. All shapes and sizes. Because the one thing that is off limits, that flesh desire wants to say, but, and then the enemy sets it up in a way, it's like, well, what's the problem? Or he's withholding something. 
Isn't that the way the enemy worked with Eve in the garden? Oh, he doesn't want you to eat. If you eat, you'll be more like him. He'll know good and evil. He's withholding something from you. Self-rule. Do you really need to listen to him? You're your own authority. You're your own person. Be an individual. And we come up with all these concepts that, again, sound virtuous because he doesn't just show up in a red jumpsuit and a pitchfork and horns. I am the big bad devil and I'm here to lure you away. He comes to you as an angel of light. Something with appeal. He is a spirit being himself. Amen. And so there's this seduction. See, deception are lies masked as truth. That's what deception is. It's a lie masked as truth. It looks like the thing you're searching for, and it looks like the thing that you've been longing for, and it looks, and it, 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 it promises, the, promises you the world. Another instance where we see the devil showing up in the earth tempting somebody with Jesus in Matthew chapter four, he said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you what? The whole world, all its riches, all its fame, all its glory. I'll hand it over to you. If you just bow down and worship me. It seems like a sweet exchange. It seems like it's promising. What do we say about sin? It takes you further than you want to go. It costs you more then you want to pay. Man, you give the enemy an inch, he's going to take the mile. So we've got to be able to discern this and, and know this. There's a need in the church today to be able to sniff out, if you will. We said that last week. When we talk about discernment, there's a there's a, a scent in the nostrils, not not literally, but you can mimic something by sight. You can imitate something by sound, but it's very difficult, very difficult to copy the scent of something. And I just believe in these last days the church is going to grow in this capacity because we are going to become in tune with the things of the Spirit, the reigning Spirit, yielded to the ways of the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit, and no other Spirit. There's a church and pastor over in Texas that I follow, and that's a prayer that he prays with his church all the time. Holy Spirit, we make room for you. We make room for the Holy Spirit and no other Spirit. Why? Because there are other Spirits that want to operate. There's other Spirits that want to show up. There's other spirits that want to speak out. There's other spirits. And if we're not leaned into or yielded to the way of the spirit, it can be easy to get off track. So we need to know how to guard against this and be submitted to the reigning spirit because the reigning spirit is the one that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Man, when you get a hold of the reigning spirit, you find that's all the spirit I need. There is no other spirit that can give me, promise me, bestow upon me anything that the Holy Spirit doesn't have already at his disposal to give to me. The Holy Spirit has everything you need. And if you'll tap into him, yield to him, live by him, 
make a priority for him. I mean, even when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I mean, we, we, we have a, a, a great level of, of ignorance and a great level of, of small base thinking when it comes to who is the Holy Spirit. Is he just the power? Is he the thing that makes you talk in weird languages? Is it the thing that when you touch somebody, they fall on the ground? No, he's a person. Jesus was trying to introduce the disciples to a person. Who is the Holy Spirit? Not what is the Holy Spirit. And when you discover the who, then you get the what, then you get the when, then you get the how. Amen. In Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, while you're turning there, you turn there, I need to give you one more verse that we looked at last week in Romans chapter 8. You go to Matthew 7. The guys in the back will give us Matthew, uh, Romans chapter 8. We looked at this last week. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation, beginning with verse 5. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. In fact, the Bible tells us that the, re- that the unseen is more real than the scene. For the sense and reason of the flesh is death. But the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. That's the reigning spirit. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. Notice that it's not saying that a person refuses to submit to his direction. It's that a person has a mindset that refuses to submit to his direction. So if my mindset refuses to submit to his direction, then what do I need to take care of? My mindset. And we talked about it this past week on a uh, midweek in our Wednesday night service. We talked about the renewing of the mind. And this is why your mind needs to be renewed. And your mind needs to be renewed, renewed daily. Not just once. You don't mark down on a calendar, January 14th, 2024, the day I renewed my mind. It won't work. Because guess what? You're going to wake up tomorrow, January 15th, and you're going to need a new mind. And the 16th, you're going to need a little more mind renewal. And the 17th, a little more tweaking and adjusting. And December 31st of this year, you're still going to need a little bit of renewing taking place. Amen. It's a constant ongoing because a mindset is always wanting to conform to what's around it. I got to transform that thing by the renewing of my mind. Verse 9 says, when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, You are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit, the reigning spirit. And if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. So in Matthew chapter seven, it says this in verse 15, beware of false prophets 
who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It's worthless is what he's saying. You throw it in the fire because it's no good for anything else. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me. So now he starts picking apart those fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But who? He who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Spiritual. Cast out demons in your name. Spiritual. And done many wonders in your name spiritual. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Meaning they were producing works and manifestations of a spirit, just not the spirit. And this is where we need the clarity. This is where we need the discernment. This is where we need the ability to see beyond just the awe and the wondrous and the mighty and the great, and we can truly establish, is this a work of the Lord? Because I tell you right now, Moses threw his snake on the ground, but so did the wise people. And if we're not careful in these last days, we're gonna be following wise men that can perform the same mighty works and wonders but we're gonna fail in our submission to the Father and being submitted to the reigning spirit and being a part of his plan. We're gonna have to be grounded to something else other than the awesome and the mighty, other than where's all the crowds going? Eventually got to a point in Jesus' day where he said, you are an adulterous generation always seeking a sign. And I love the signs just as much as anybody else. I want to see the signs and wonders that the word of God promises us. I want to see the miraculous take place. I want to see the deliverance in an instant rather than through a, 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 a counseling session or weeks over time. But I'm going to tell you right now, if we aren't connected to the right spirit, the devil will do stuff for you. To keep you looped in. Look what I can do. Man, he will keep you uh, 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 delivered just enough that you always cycle back to him every time. Yeah. He'll loose those, those chains and those bonds in your life just enough. You know, they used to do this in, in the, the, I heard, in the Japanese war camps. It's a psychological measure. You do a certain thing, we give you a piece of bread. Do a certain thing, we give you uh, a, an hour uh, you know, outside of your confines or whatever. It's, it's a psychological method that you always come back and you stay in a line. And the devil will do enough, just enough in your life to keep you in alignment with him. 
What a dangerous way to live. And even worse, all the while, these folks think they are prophesying, casting out demons, and performing mighty wonders in the name of Jesus. They said, in your name, in your name, in your name. And he says, I don't know you. We're using a name of a person we're not even acquainted with. And even worse, the, the, the one that knows the hair on your head created you, says, I don't know you. I mean, that's a whole nother level of departure. And he starts, he starts out there in verse 15, beware of false prophets, because here's the problem. We have false spirits that affect false prophets, and false prophets create false teachings. And this is what we're dealing with in the last days. This will be the challenge for the church in the last days. We're going to be measured on our ability to distinguish between, discern between what we practice in, what we involve ourselves in. And there are things that are of the Spirit, of the Spirit of God that we have been saying, oh, that's demonic activity. They did that to Jesus too. And Jesus said, hey, how can two spirits be working against each other? A house divided cannot stand. But on the flip side, there are Christians that are lending themselves to things that they think are of the spirit, but without the adequate discernment, they're opening themselves up to some major problems. And I'm not just talking about secular music and rated R movies. There are YouTube ministers that are... That, that are they're not submitted to anything. They're not accountable to anything. They're not under anybody. They're not credentialed by anybody, but they're prophetess this and bishop that and apostle this and teacher this. And man, we, we got, the Bible tells us we will heap upon ourselves, teachers upon teachers. We'll have more teachers than we know what to do with and still have this challenge and this issue. You know, I have a teaching gift. That's, that's where I operate. I, I love to teach the word of God. I, I, I mean, that's just what gets me going. And a lot of times I can, I, I can think, man, if you can't fix it, teach about it, you know? Teach on the thing. So Jesus did when, when, when he went home and he couldn't heal the sick because of their doubt and unbelief, because of the familiarity of, you know, isn't this Mary's son? Don't we know his brothers and all? And, and it says because he couldn't heal many sick. What did he do? He went about the town teaching. Teaching will do wonders. But we got to recognize that in the last days, we're going to have a plethora of teachers. We need the Spirit. There are times where I'll be in conversation, and you've probably encountered these things too, where it's just not getting over. You're trying to clue someone in on something. You're trying to, man, and, and you just have to let it go and say, Lord, you're going to have to open their minds and you're going to have to show them by your spirit. I won't even have another conversation because I don't want to, I don't want to be the, the Moses to Pharaoh to continue to harden their heart. Man, you're going to have to do it on your own. Because every time I show up, every time I talk to them, every time I bring this up, every time they ask this question, it just hardens their heart anymore. Father, I pray your mercy and your grace upon their life that they will see it before it's too late. 
That's what you got to do. Why? Because it's a spiritual matter. It's the issues, these false prophets. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Y'all doing all right? Amen. If you said no, I'd still keep going, but I'd just like to check in every now and then. Amen. Let's look at this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 1 says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, so we're talking to the church, not to be easily upset or troubled either by a prophecy or by a message or by a letter supposedly from us alleging that the day of the Lord has come. So this would be a message or a gospel other than the message that Paul preached. Paul is writing this church as he writing to this church as he did with many of his other churches. He's writing this letter. Verse three says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He's obviously talking about eschatology. He's talking about end time matters, but I wanna pick the principles. I'm not teaching on eschatology today. Maybe we'll hit that at some point this year as well because there's definitely so much to uncover and unveil there, but that's not the part I wanna highlight. I wanna highlight how he's approaching somebody else bringing a message other than what he's been preaching. If you hear another gospel is the way he put it in Galatians chapter one, even if an angel comes to you with another gospel, what do you do with that? It says in verse four, he opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he sits in God's temple, proclaiming that he is God. Uh, he is himself, he is proclaiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that when I was still with you, I used to tell you about this. So the first thing he says is remember. This is what we've been talking about on Wednesdays, by the way. Remember. Recall what I've been telling you. Do you remember what I've been teaching you? See, the, the thing is, is when we start hearing this new doctrine or new ways or new ideologies, we abandon rather than measuring it against. And again, these folks, they've got scripture. For behold, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. Well, the new thing has to be consistent with the old thing because he's not changing his way. He might be changing uh, his method, but he's not changing the message. Come on. He's not changing the manner in which he's wanting to get to you. He's not changing who he is. I am God, I change not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. My word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he can't be doing a new thing that challenges or confronts the old thing. Y'all with me? So he says, remember what I was still telling you. And you know what currently restrains him so that he will be revealed in his time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, but the one now restraining him will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. The Lord Jesus will destroy him with the breath of his mouth and will bring him to nothing at the appearance of his coming. That's how much Jesus rules, by the way. Just in case you were wondering, it's not even close. It's not even a fair fight. The coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with every kind of miracle. 
both signs and wonders serving the lie. What? Miracles, signs, and wonders? Isn't that like something that we pray for? Lord, we believe this year we will see miracles, signs, and wonders. We want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. And he says, man, if you're just looking for a miracle, a sign, and a wonder, you're going to get led astray. Yikes. Because even the lawless one can do that. Talking about the Antichrist. Even the Antichrist can do that. He'll set himself up in a temple and say, I am God. And he'll perform, perform signs and wonders. Why? I didn't say that spiritual, that the uh, evil spiritual activity doesn't have power. It's powerful. It sure is. The devil has power. The, Paul lets us know in Romans, he says, the power of sin is strong, but the power of grace is stronger. So this is the problem is when we diminish the power of sin or the power of lawlessness or the power of the enemy, we also lower the value of the power of God. We lower what he's capable of. No, sin is great. Grace is even greater. The power of the enemy is great. The power of God is even greater. It's still no match, but it is powerful. He will perform things and he will lure you away, seductively drawing you with appealing. Hmm. With every wicked deception among those who are perishing, they perish because they did not accept the love of the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a strong delusion so that they will believe the lie, so that all will be condemned. Those who did not believe the truth, there it is a second time, did not believe the truth, but delighted in unrighteousness. But we ought to thank God always for you. Brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification, by the Spirit, and through belief in truth. You seeing a pattern yet? He called you to this through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, here it is. Stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught, whether by what we said or by what we wrote. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to go through these quick. So I just want you to write these down. We're going to highlight a few things, but in 1 Timothy chapter 4, we already read earlier uh, in verses uh, one and two that many will fall away, depart from the faith. But look what Paul writes uh, to Timothy in that same passage in verse six. How can we avoid the departure? Anybody wanna know how to avoid the departure? Yeah, I wanna be in the, the few that remain, not the many or the some that depart. Verse six, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one, verse 13. Hold on to the pattern. Everyone say pattern. Of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ 
Jesus. Verse 14 says, guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including those two guys. Second Timothy chapter three. I'll let a seminary graduate get that one. P and H. Second Timothy chapter three. I'm gonna read a good portion of this one starting with verse one. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. Well, you know, reading the, being Timothy, reading these letters, can you imagine? Paul's unveiling, you know, my time is drawing near. My departure is coming soon, you know, and then he's letting them know all the, but their warnings, not for fear, not to make him fearful, to be aware of what's coming. Paul's writing to Timothy at the end of his ministry, at the beginning of Timothy's ministry. He's getting ready to transition this thing. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he tells them to hold on to the pattern of sound teaching and guard the good deposit. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, he says, but know this, hard times will come in the last days. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness, but but denying its power. Isn't it interesting? And all those things are listed, and he says this about those same people. They hold to a form of godliness. Guys, we're not talking about people in the world. We're not talking about sinners that are performing all those things I listed. They're not trying to hold on to a form of godliness. They hate God. They're very much aware, I'm not a Christ follower, don't want to be. No, we're talking about people that are holding on to a form of godliness. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, irreconcilable, traitors, reckless, and all the other things he listed. We're talking about church folk. (laughs) The deception is real, isn't it? Holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid these people. For among them are those who worm their way into households and deceive gullible women. Isn't it just like the deceived that they have to deceive others? They're never satisfied with their own deception. Overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Meaning they're gonna gonna come to you with a front that looks intellectual looks educated, looks informed, looks like I know, but at the end of the day, they can't come to the knowledge of the truth. They know the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. Amen. Just as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. They are men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard to the faith. Not my words, Paul's. 
but he's not cutting corners. Worthless. What do we do with the worthless? What did Matthew chapter 7 say? Burned up in the fire. Verse 10. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. But you have what? You have followed. Notice in all these accounts, he's reminding them of former teaching. He's saying, follow after my pattern, guard the good deposit, remind yourself, recall the faith. This is what's going to keep us uh, and, and help us avoid the great departure, the great apostasy, the great falling away. That you have followed Verse 14, bump down to verse 14. But as for you, continue, 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 continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Jump over one more chapter, 2 Timothy chapter four. This is now Paul telling Timothy. He just got done telling Timothy what he should do to avoid departure. Here's what you can do for the people to help them avoid departure. Verse two, 2 Timothy 4, verse two. But you, Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and teaching. Why? For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, everyone say own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and turn aside to myths. But as for you, Exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The two greatest factors that lead to deception in the last days, and close it with this. The two greatest factors that will lead, and I'm just giving introduction. We're gonna break these things down in the coming weeks over time this year. But the two greatest factors that we see here through these scriptures that are gonna lead to deception, that are gonna make you susceptible to deception. Number one, you are a hearer only, but not a doer of the word. You are a hearer only, but not a doer of the word. This is why discipleship is so important. Discipleship and making disciples is not the same as making converts. Conversion is not the goal of discipleship. Training and equipping believers to hear a word and then respond with according action, accommodating action, accompanying action is the goal. Our, our nation, I believe, is one of the greatest catalysts in the last days for the word of the kingdom and for the word of God. 
We're sending missionaries all over the world. We're printing, we're, we're printing books and resources uh, you know, all over the place because of our freedoms and our liberties. But we have also taken a back seat when it comes to teaching and equipping the body of Christ. Because how are they going to feel? It looks oppressive. Uh, unborn, un, uh, unbelievers, those that are not born again, uh, we're not going to be able to get them in the kingdom because it looks legalistic and it looks doctrinal. And, and, and we've got all the excuses in the world to why we water down our gospel that can save a life, that can redeem you from the pit of hell, that can get you up out of darkness and bring you into light, that can raise the dead and bring them back to good, new spiritual life. We've got what it has, what, we, what, what they need, we have have what they need and we're watering it down. We're taking the power right out of it. And it all goes to this because we want hearers without doers. We're more interested in how many seats we fill than how many people we fill. We're more interested in the followers on our Instagrams rather than followers of Jesus doing the works that Jesus did. Y'all doing okay? You'll be hard-pressed to find a doer of the word that falls prey to deception. It's usually that, that, that space between hearing and doing that the enemy wedges his way in. The enemy is roaming this earth looking for those that sit in chairs just like you're sitting in today but are not ready to apply on Monday what you're hearing on Sunday. He's ready to sift you like wheat, to pick you apart. He's roaming all the different kinds of soil in this room. Which one will you be? Will you be the one where the word falls by the wayside? Will you be the one that receives it with joy but when trial and tribulation shows up, you abandon Will you be the one that you can endure some trial and tribulation, but then the blessing shows up in your life and the deceitfulness of riches chokes out the word that's been sown? Will you be the one that's good soil, bearing fruit, bearing a harvest in the last days? You will not fall prey to the deception of the enemy. But he's very clear. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You're actually doing work for him. He doesn't even need to deceive you. You're doing it for him. <laughs> You're deceiving yourself. Amen. We need doers of the word. The second greatest factor that will lead to deception in the last days is selfish ambition. Selfish ambition, an element of the kingdom of God that has greatly been thrown in the back seat, maybe in the trunk, maybe left at the house. We don't even carry it with us anymore. Is the necessity to die to yourself. We need Christians. We need a church. We need believers that are dead to the flesh and made alive to the spirit. And I can promise you, if there's any, any level of yourself in charge, deception awaits you. 
If you do it for the applause of man, if you do it because of what they think or what they don't think, if your flesh rules you more than the word or the spirit rules you, the flesh is still alive and he must be crucified. The old man must be crucified. Worship team, would you come? We don't have a devil problem. We have a lack of doing the word problem or we have a lack of dying to self problem. Those two, which are no wonder, the two biggest issues that the church has today, doing the word and dying to self. It's no wonder people are deceived left and right, falling prey to deception left and right. But that's not us. I said, that's not us. You can agree with that, I hope. Because we're gonna choose to be doers of the word, not hearers only. We're gonna choose to die to our flesh. Quit making yourself the preference. Quit making yourself the God. Quit making yourself uh, the thing that has to be appeased and preferred. Let's seek the will of the Father above all. I don't care if I don't like it. I don't care if it doesn't sound like what I want it to sound like. I don't care if they're not going where I want to go. I don't care if they're not doing what I want to do. I want to get in tune with the Holy Spirit, the reigning spirit. I want to be dominated by the Spirit of God. A yielded vessel. Father, we just yield ourselves to the Spirit of God. Oh, there's still so much in store to be accomplished, to be seen, to be done. Father, we don't want to be drawn off course, pulled off course, blown off course by the luring and the attractive, the appealing, the seductive. We want to stay with the Spirit the reigning spirit, the ruling spirit. Father, we yield to that spirit this year. We will not be pulled off course by any other spirit. We say no other spirit, but the Holy Spirit can reign in our lives. Would you give me glory for this today in Jesus' name? Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? I'm telling you this year, it's gonna open doors. It's gonna help us tap into things that we've been believing for, that we know are possible, but we're gonna have to get in tune with the Spirit of God, amen? Hallelujah. Wanna receive our tithe and offering this morning, your giving. If you're giving by way of check or cash, you'll find an offering envelope in the seat back pocket right in front of you. Uh, If you would, fill that out to completion. Man, be a giver this year. If I can uh, continue to encourage you this year as we're still in a mindset of, We're setting a pace and setting a course, charting a course. Put things in practice now that are gonna help you acquire and get to where you wanna be. And giving is one of those places that you wanna come in accordance with God's principles, God's law and God's plan. It's God's system. And it's the best system. It really is. There is, God never asks of you at your deficit. When he asks of you, It's his means of increase. It's his means of opening up to you 
what you can never get access to on your own. So be a giver this year. Be a tither this year. Giving that first 10% of every check that comes in. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He says, man, give this. I'm gonna take care of you. Don't, Don't do it out of obligation because Pastor Mark says, because the book says it. You do it because the Holy Spirit asks of it and says, I'll do it. I'll surrender to you. And I believe you'll take care of everything else. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.